Hello and welcome to the Talking Guitar podcast brought to you by the North American Guitar, the home of the world's finest guitars. In this episode, we caught up with our long-standing friend Adam Miller about his stunning guitar collection, the inspiration he seeks before composing, and we even got a small clip of his beautiful new album, Unify. How are you? <laughs> Great, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm sorry it's taken so long to finally do this. It's totally fine, man. I do actually get it. I can't <laughs> imagine how crazy your life actually is right now <laughs> with like COVID, oh, family, pretty multiple intense. stores, international travel. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Pretty intense. But Adam, so excited you are doing a little podcast with us. And look at that. I thought thought I'd uh, you know you needed to hear it, man. Hey, straight into the mule. Let's have a listen. God, yeah, look um, at that. Give me a sec. I've got all the guitars here. Sorry, my mic is very professional. I've gone full pro uh, podcasting vibes. So, um, yeah. Well, I've got a two rock here. So it's in baritone at the moment, so B standard. But, um, so just the amp is this. Oh, yes. I think, I think you need to, I think you need to write the theme tune for these podcasts. Yeah. And then you've got, a. That's it, just acoustic. You just didn't think it. Yeah, more than I thought. Like I said, I just didn't think I would get it, but it's actually really good. You've got an amazingly wide range now of instruments, haven't you? I mean, like, um, you're you're playing a harmony the other day, right? Yeah. That's a, I, I, I really dig those little guitars. I really do. Yeah, those ones are really good, man. I've always liked the, the old Stratotone thing. So yeah, that one's cool. And, um, yeah, just through COVID, I got rid of a few things and got a couple of other awesome things that I'd always wanted. Like this guy, which I love. Oh, look at that. The, um, what's this? Uh, the Eastside LC Collings, but a stunner but you've you've you're you've always been a bit of a collings fan haven't you yeah yeah i've got two that i just bought at a store in australia so um yeah they're just really good as you would know they are mate they are and there's the, there he is there's the hoover the hoover's there as well man so yeah this thing is just like this is just what i've been playing all the time like at home and because it just And even like if you, oh, how do I do this? Yeah, even if you just play it acoustically, it's a... yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a cool guitar. So, so when you do you, you're going when you're going to write a record, do you? Do you have an idea in your mind of where you want it to go? Or do you just, I mean, literally out of your array of instruments, do you just let you kind of let them um, direct you? Or do you say, well, I'm going to write, I'm going to do a slightly more jazzier album this time. Or I'm going to do, do you know what I mean? The hardest thing for me is just going which way it is going to go at the end. Um, like, especially because I write everything pretty much solo first. So it sits where it does solo on a guitar because I can, I'm very fortunate to have developed the skill to be able to play like that immediately. But it's, um, yeah, when I get to the finished product, it's a really hard decision of whether it's going to be a solo record or if a song's going to be solo or if things are going to be a band. So I've just been trying to 
uh, I guess the last few years it's sort of dictated which way it's gone. And I've always sort of had this idea that I might do solo versions of them later and they never quite happen. Um, but at the moment, I guess having more time to do things and look at stuff, I've been trying to slot things into certain lineups. Like, I guess my three ways of sort of treating a song is like solo. So solo guitar, but then that goes into a whole lot of other questions of like, which guitar, Yeah. but we can come back to that. Um, uh, sort of a live trio, like bass, drums, guitar thing which is what I'm very comfortable in and, you know, really improvising and going crazy that way, or sort of more like the produced band style of thing. Like, you know, I guess sort of thinking of them, my songs really as songs and just putting whatever they need to, to make the song right. So yeah. I'm always at battle with those three. I think that's your, your compositions are all, they sound like songs. They have, they have, great hooks they have thank you verses, yeah. choruses you know i the amount of hours that the definition of success has probably yeah. burnt on my speakers in the office is ridiculous just because every song and you are you are you end up singing your top lines yeah well that is always the idea like i am a songwriter i just suck at writing words <laughs> and i'm not a great singer and that's sort of where it's ended up you know i I grew up with instrumental music because when I started to play guitar, I was eight or nine and I was trying to sing along to Billy Joel songs and I sounded terrible. So I quit. So I just went, oh, but when I play guitar, I sound the same, which I didn't. But, and it, that just sort of stuck with me to this love. And then, you know, in my mid twenties, I did go, I'm going to be John Mayer. And I tried singing, but it was just bad for me. Like I just, the songs I wrote were bad. The, the songs were worse. They had bad melodies because I couldn't sing anything better. And lyrically, I've just never focused on lyrics. It's like when I play songs for my nephew now, you know, I'm playing in things that I thought was cool growing up, like Red Hot Chili Peppers, A Rage Against the Machine. And then I go, whoa, I can't play this because I never listened to the lyrics before. I was just listening to the music underneath. But I think that, you know, you're, you can hear just from... I, from a from a songwriting standpoint, and I've always said this to you ever since we mm. first met. Whenever I hear your songs, I always want to try to put some kind of melody or lyric to them because they are just so catchy. Um, and um, yeah, I, I just you know we we love and and I and I think the having that ability to be able to take a piece of music um, and and it being. For solo, for a solo arrangement and then be able to put it into a band, that's really difficult to do that and do that well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, which you do and have done. Yeah. yeah, thanks, man. And so how, so considering how much you talk about me traveling, but you, I mean, right up until, I guess this time last year, you mm. were all over the place. You were mainly in America, but you were traveling all over the world all the time. Yeah, yeah, That's, trying to. That that coming grinding to a halt must have been crazy. Yeah, it it's definitely been weird because I haven't been on a plane since January last year. And so that's a really bizarre thing for me. Uh but it's it's been good. Like I I love touring. I love traveling. I love being in airports. I love all of it. I actually it's such a great time for me. Uh, even just the fact that when you kind of, it's like you're finally doing the job you've worked so hard to do. Yeah. So that's, I, I actually really love that process, but I don't have a lot of trouble being off the road. I've got to say either, but I love performing. I love playing. So that was when I couldn't do that for a while, it was really hard that, that kicked my butt mental health wise. And yeah, streaming things did help a little for me, but yeah, but then I'm saying that I did my first gig again in June last year and then because Australia just dealt with this really well. So I'm back sort of gigging full swing at home. So I'm in a very fortunate position where I can do that and I'm, yeah, getting to do all those things. Yeah, that, that is amazing. And, uh, mm. Yeah, I, can't, I can imagine 
you either I had we did a we did a podcast with Mike Dawes and he mm. he was like it just his whole world ground to a halt. Yeah. I mean and he was like you just toured all the time. Um, well, yeah, and he's next level of me. So he, I, and I can't imagine those people. Like, I talk to friends all around the world, and everyone has different opinions of what it looks like going forward as well. But the, yeah, just missing that opportunity to play and do things is really, sp- it, it, it hits you pretty hard. Yeah. But, and it's something that the streaming sort of things can't do. I remember. Now, I, streaming and that sort of thing has been an awesome adventure for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I, re, I still remember the first gig I had to do. And it was like, wow, like there's not a camera. No one's got a phone up. Like this, this isn't going to be on the internet forever. How good is this? Like it was just this really special thing of just because everyone was at this gig and they were all so over, I guess, being on phones and computers that no one was actually on their phone or holding it up they're all just there staring and listening it was amazing that's amazing yeah was that, that was that was a that's a real gig or a streaming gig. a real a real life gig yeah so after doing a lot of streaming so it was probably i'm going to say it was around september october probably around october last year and so you know everyone had been locked down for a while still here we sort of did two rounds, but yeah, after sort of September, we were wild and free again here. <laughs> you know what? It, it kind of opens up that question, really, doesn't it? Of yeah, I wonder. It goes a bit deeper, like maybe that this weirdness that we've all, the whole world has gone through together. When you mm. come out the other side, there'll be another appreciation for. For the arts, for for music, because you know, way back when I feel like I mean I've done a gig in a long time, but when mm. I used to do gigs, um, that was always the the thing that, or when I would go to gigs, you know, you just it's just people with the phone. I mean, literally, people just sit there with the phone the whole gig, watching yeah. you through a phone, or you're watching, you're behind them, and they're watching somebody on stage through a phone. You're like, how? That what's what are you gonna do with that? You know, maybe post. Yeah. Or you're just gonna live inside your your phone, and you're never re- you're not you're not in the moment. You're not living yeah. this amazing thing, which will never be done again. Do yeah, know? it's it's a strange thing. Yeah, I often wonder where people like watch videos again. I think of people like going around theme parks and things <laughs> where they just video. It's like, do you go yeah. home and like put this on the big screen TV? It's, it's yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Like my in portrait <laughs> landscape as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My my father-in-law, who I love dearly, he used to just and he's an uh, avid podcast listener. He is an avid podcast. No, right. yes. Yeah, make sure he listens. Um, he he is um, he lo- he captures every every family moment. He'll get out get a camera or he'll but he, every mm. family moment. But throughout my wife's childhood he would always have a video camera and then and at the end of the year or the next year they would sit around the table or sit around the tv and they'd plug it in and they'd watch it and you've got this amazing archive of this great footage so i get the kind of filming the footage yeah but now the archive is instagram it's just so big it's just so much archive uh, anyway we digress um so well that, yeah. i mean it's it's uh I can imagine that it must have been a bit of a, um, a bit of a stumbling process when you when you kind of like oh wow I'm not going back out on the road again. But I also can imagine once the dust has settled and you're you know we're all because for me it's like when you know when everybody is resetting the world is resetting yeah we're all going through it it's not like one country that is doing yeah going through it. but when you kind of accept that you must have then got creative again. I bet you it continues. Well, to an extent, I was actually finishing my last album in the middle of all of it as well. So that sort of took a lot of my focus, um, sort of just doing all the things ever. Uh, You know, I was actually still mixing it when the world stopped. And then, you know, I had to do the artwork and just try and get everything organized and all the press. So I had a lot to focus on in that way, which was 
Um, it was really good. I had a really sudden come down when the album came out in August that all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do now, <laughs> which I probably would have gone through earlier, but I still sort of had this purpose and it was, it was great because I had a little bit more time to work on it than I usually would on the road. If I'd actually, you know, we were moving to the US basically a year ago today from where, you know, it was, so we'd packed up our life in Australia we'd sold cars. It was like done. So we had to set up life again. We were, um, so we spent most of lockdown with my parents. Um, so that was like till about, I guess, I think we got a place of our own again in October, but it, so it was a long time of just sort of being in limbo and going, well, are we waiting till we go? Are we waiting till that happens? But yeah, just, I guess like I definitely got creative after the album was out and starting cause I, you know, I was still very invested in these songs that I was working on, but, um, the, the live streaming thing and having to start doing all those things really kicked my butt into gear and playing wise. It was awesome just to, um, you know, the pressure of actually playing in front of a camera to no one, just to comments popping up. And I remember I did like one, I was terribly nervous. I'd net, I'd, I really don't like being on camera, let alone seeing me in reverse on camera. It was just, it hurt. And then I did a couple and I was getting pretty co like comfortable with how to do it. And then all of a sudden, like one started, and I don't, it was probably early for me. It was probably like 10 a.m. because I'm trying to do it at, you know, evening California time. And like it pops up and it's like Charlie Hunter. Oh, hi, sounding good. Ariel Posen, yeah, man, thumbs up. Adam Levy, something. Tommy Emmanuel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, it's just, I'm just like, okay, so this little gig in my bedroom at my parents' house has just turned into the most terrifying audience in my life. Like, it was just, and so it really made me go back and think about, okay, I actually have to practice and prepare for this and do this a little bit better. And, you know, before I switch the camera on, not just think about where my hair was sitting, which I was, it was like, maybe pick the guitar up for 10 minutes before I start to play or wow. it was, but it, yeah, like it's so for my solo playing it, I feel like it really took it to the next level. Cause I've never had, I'm used to having guitar players in the audience. Like that is my world, but it's a different level when you can't see their face. Yeah. Like you, you, you can't gauge anything. You, you sort of, and then that's only the people commenting. Like, I don't know who else was watching at the time and you just, so I made sure I had to up my game from that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Gosh, that must've been like a bit of a, it was just this thing. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that it, cause yeah, because then Instagram changed how they work. It used to see the comments yeah. when it, you know, when it archived it. But now I think it's just the video. And I, but I'm sure there's a point if it's still up. I went, well, that's what it's got to be. There's an early live one. There'd be a point like two minutes in where you'd sort of see my eyebrows start and my eyes start to twitch and me make several mistakes. <laughs> and that's what's happening on the screen in front of me that I'm getting all these comments rolling up and going, no. So... Yeah. And so in, I guess that's a great, whenever I see you, it doesn't matter where we've met in the world, mm. first thing you always say to me is, oh man, I've just got here. I was only just finishing mixing last night. You're always finishing tweaking. You're yeah. always, I mean, there's, whether it's Germany, Anaheim, wherever, you're always like, you know, oh yeah, I'm, I just got off the plane and I was just yeah. right the way up until I got on the plane. So for you to have the time to have completed the record, yeah. And then to kind of, you would normally complete that record and then bang, you go into promo mode, gigging it yeah. where you possibly can. Yeah. Uh, whereas not being able to do that would mean you probably got time to live inside the songs a bit, right? Uh, to an extent, but it, the, the album was actually all recorded before that, because the idea was I was trying to mix it before I packed up this little studio setup I had and moved to the US. So it's sort of just... I, I basically had it done. I just got to spend a little bit more time tweaking things and, um, and just take my time getting it out, which was probably more the thing, trying to focus more on actually the process of releasing an album because, 
you know, I am independent. I don't have anyone doing anything for me. <laughs> so I'm trying the, when I finish something, I just want it out. Like I'm like, Oh, I was finished. I'll put it out next week. But I, I tried to take the time with this album, especially given the circumstances of not being able to tour and all the things going on in the world, just to give it a little bit of space to get it out. And that was cool. Um, and then, yeah, basically straight away, this album was recorded as a trio. It was written uh, while I was living in Los Angeles in 2019. And I recorded it with my LA band. And, you know, we spent three days in the studio in LA getting it down. And so it was very much written as a trio album. And so much of the, so much of the music was not designed to be played solo. And then all of a sudden I'm in this situation going, well that might be all I'm doing forever. Like in front of a camera or wherever I better try and work all this out. So that was just another great thing of arranging all these songs for solo guitar again. God, that must mm. be I always love the, you know, uh, you know, Clive Carroll. Yeah, of course. Um, but speaking with him a while ago, much like you were just saying, you, you write, you write in a specific way. He um, he arranges everything in his head first. Yeah, I've heard he that. The whole thing in his head, and then he'll you know, note and um, notate it, and then he'll go down to the guitar and he'll figure out how to play it. Okay, Clive is stupid. If you listening, <laughs> that's stupid. But he's genius. <laughs> I mean, he's just like like that. Yeah. Like he he told me he'd be walking around the supermarket going. Singing into his iPhone, and then he'd go yeah. back, just like throttle down, then go to the guitar. I mean, it's like wow. Um, yeah, mine will definitely be is a little bit of both, depending on what the song is and where it happens. But like the hardest one on the album to play solo was this song called "Shipping." Yeah, and it um, so essentially it was written as two guitar parts where it's got this just going forever. And then the melodies, actually the melodies played on the bass at first because it was written as a trio yeah. and I couldn't play this melody and I wanted the bass player to play it just so it was really beautiful and simple. So I then had to combine those two and get it to sound like, you know, the whole... while that does sound sort of relatively simple getting the like the mixing like to get the melody to sit in the right place over those bass lines and all the notes to ring while you're doing it that took me forever so on the album it's you know it's definitely a guitar part doing the rhythm i then play a lead line separately and then there's a couple of tracks of weird effect pedal stuff sort of going in the background but yeah then it was trying to work out how to do all this stuff solo so that was a really fun challenge that song you know i'm particularly proud of because now when i play it live with a bass player it gets this huge orchestration going on with you know just bass drums and guitar so that was really worth the effort oh i love that like, mm. i could just i'd much rather just shut up and let you just do a live stream no no live stream for me mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll write comments. I'll write comments. Yeah. Um, and so just tell us a bit more about the album then. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've sort of forgotten about it because I've basically written the next three already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the album's called Unify. Uh, I initially had this awesome, crazy, weird, like old book sort of title um, that had very negative context and that wasn't going to work after all this had happened. So, um, you know, Unify was the idea of just sort of bringing a lot of my worlds together, like just, you know, moving to LA and, um, being able to, uh, just, just combine all these ideas I've had and get it into one. Um, so yeah, it was, we just recorded it in three days. The songs just all vary. They're mainly played on my Huber. I think that was the guitar I played on eight of the nine songs. Wow. Um, uh, actually, seven of the nine songs now I think about it. 
So um, it just was the guitar for everything. And especially uh, when I was in the US, you know, we were talking about guitar arsenal before, but um, you know, you can only travel with three guitars and that's if you're really good at carrying bags yeah. like I am. So, um, you, yeah, in, while I was in the U S I had the Huber, I had my telly that I built from parts. It's a parts caster thing. And I had an acoustic with me all the time. So, um, the Huber just became, well, it already was the guitar I played all the time, but it just became the guitar that just did everything. So it was, um, yeah, it sounds pretty amazing on the album. Oh, amazing. I'm stoked with that. Yeah. It's um, Nick's. I feel that, that I feel that Nick's just got up to another level. We've had a bunch more come through. Um, yeah. Obviously, we had one. We had that's the third Adam Miller signature we've sold. We just sold. It was with us for a while. Actually, I was surprised. It was I know. Oh, it's sold. It's that sold. was one of the best looking ones I've ever seen. Too. I that's know. the one. The top is the one on that guitar. Was the one that was closest to mine. I know. I'd say. Yeah. I, um, but yeah, uh, just um, just magical actually. I, I, my speaking to, to Clements is one of my favorite, one of the, the the best parts of most of my months or whenever we get to speak. Just because yeah. he cracks me up because he's the driest sense of humor I've ever come across. He's <laughs> he's um, he uh, amazing. He is, but no, the, the, just the, the level of instruments that that Nick um, and his team are creating are just like, yeah, they're pretty inspiring, man. Yeah. I've just. You know, the, I still remember the very first time I played one of Nick's guitars. Um, well, actually, that's my yeah. next question. When was the first time you met Nick and played one of his guitars? Okay, first time I met Nick and played one of his guitars was at the NAMM show, yeah. Winter NAMM in 2010. Wow. However, I'd already had a cutout from a guitar magazine review of the Redwood on my wall at home. No. Because no. I, I was just like, yeah, that looks like the perfect guitar. Like it's, you know, Redwood, it, that looks, just looks awesome. There's humbuckers, but it's a telly shape and it's long scale length. I'm like, that's so cool. So um, I had that on my wall from about, I'm going to say 2006. I'd have to look up when that article was on, but it was a while. So I'd been aware of Nick's stuff for a long time. And so I met him. I, it, it didn't occur to me straight away that that was that guitar, but, um, so I, I went to the NAMM show. I think Nick had just released the Krautster and not even just the single pickup Krautster at that time. He didn't have two pickups. So I kind of looked at that. And for me, a single bridge pickup guitar is like, eh, okay. But the day after NAMM finished, the person I was staying with was doing some um, rep work for Nick at the time and he had a Redwood in a case and we were staying at like, uh, Huntington Beach and it was pouring rain like insane you know it's like a monsoon in LA so I couldn't go anywhere couldn't do anything so I just sat and played this guitar I think for nine hours all day no amp not plugged in and I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever played. And I, I just spent so long with it and loved it. And so, um, that sort of started it. And then I think, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was uh, that year or the year after that Nick actually introduced the Rietbergen. Um, it was like at Summer Nam. It might've been the year after. But I met, I was at the Montreal Guitar Show and I, I don't know, Nick and I had just already somehow become friends and he just launched the Blue Whale guitar. And I was at this thing that where they were launching it and he said, oh, can you play for me? So I did videos for this, for the Blue Whale. And then he had the very first Rietberg in there. And I was like, once again, I, I definitely rusted the strings and put fretware on this brand new guitar that day, I think. Cause I was just playing it nonstop. And so, um, yeah. And then just everything I ever played of his was perfect. Like if I, you know, occasionally I would get a chance to borrow a guitar from him sometimes in the U S um, sometimes in Europe. And it just was like, I didn't have to do anything. I just put my string gauge on it and it was done. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
you know, it took a while. Nick, Nick was pretty busy before I got mine and I was nervous about it. I always get a bit nervous ordering guitars. Um, uh, but I was so confident in what Nick does. I actually, (laughs) I had a tour of Europe and, um, I flew there without a guitar to to just pick this guitar up. So I just went, I'm just going to do the tour on this new guitar. It'll be perfect. And it was so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's pretty cool. So I, and it's funny because in waiting for Nick to make me a guitar, I think the order changed about five times of what it was actually going to be. Yeah. So originally it was a Redwood and then it was a Twangmeister for a little while. And then it went to a Surfmeister with gold foils. So it was going to be the same thing as mine, but a Surfmeister. And then I played, I played a Reetbergen somewhere again, or I think I just saw a photo of me playing a Reetbergen. I just was like looking at me. I'm just like, I look so comfortable. I just, I think I need that. It suits you. It does suit you. Yeah. They're amazing. Like, cause the Reetbergen as well, just when you sit with it, like it sits perfectly where you want it to. Yeah. It just. And it's so light. It's like, it is so, there she is. If you could see the video, I just threw it in the air and flipped it around. But, uh, um, yeah. So like, it just sits. Well, look at that. Wow. That is. Yeah. This has sort of gone crazy over the years. So. Yeah. And this was the first Redwood guitar Nick didn't stain either. He was really nervous about that. Because I said, I just. Sometimes the tiger I finish just goes too much. And he's just said, I can't predict what it'll do. I'd rub it and the wood will soak it up. So sometimes it'll be really vivid black and sometimes it won't be. So I just went, oh, let's just leave it natural. And I'm so glad I did because it just is like, yeah, so... just so perfect yeah oh, it's just so beautiful it's, it really mm. and and you know i think there's something really special about luthier and artists combining and working together um and also you can tell whenever you play like whenever you do things at nam for him or even you're jamming with his son who's a phenomenal player yeah exactly um you can just see that he's beaming with pride and i think that is what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to create. Yeah. Yeah. Like that uh, it's you, well, I ended up with like that with most companies I work with, but they're like family, you know, Nick is family. I've stayed at his house. Nico is, I've shown Nico a lot of things over the years and it's just, you know, it's really special just to have that relationship and know where people come from. Uh, hardly anyone comes to visit me in Australia, but you know, my doors would be open for them as well, which I've have been trying to convince them of because obviously they are mad surfers and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, you know, there's a round of the world surfing tour on in my home at the moment. It's about five minutes from where I am right now, but yeah, yeah. So they need to come, but, um, one day, one day, one mm. day. And so did you, mm. when you were, um, getting all these pod- not podcasts, getting all your streaming and, you know, practicing intensely. Do you have a practicing schedule that you do or warm ups you do no. just going? No, I do nothing. I do nothing in regards to practice and regimes. I, everything is about just playing and songs and working on those things. So sometimes I will just work on a song forever or certain things, but it's more about just playing music. Like I wake up in the morning, make a cup of tea, grab the guitar. That's just my life. Like I just do it. And sometimes it's not always maybe what I want to do, but it's almost just sort of forcing me back into it. I never regret picking a guitar up. Um, and yeah, things just sort of, I'll work on things for a while, but playing like scales over and over again or specific technical things or even warm up exercises are just not something I do. And a lot of that relates to like, I've got some pretty, well, it's not bad, but I have carpal tunnel in my left hand. Like it hurts sometimes my hand shakes. 
there's weird nerve things going on. And one of the main things I realized over the years that triggers it and makes it sort of worse is playing music without emotional intent. Oh, I like that. So, so if I'm not like in the moment of playing something or loving what I'm playing, then it will hurt. So certain things, you know, that I realized started to aggravate it were things like teaching sometimes. If I was teaching and it had been a long day and I'm like trying to go, no, man, like you just play this. Like, like and trying to play something really intense, but show them just that quick, but it, I'm not building to it. Yeah, yeah. It started to mess my hand up. And then, you know, if, if I was doing a gig, I didn't want to do, you know, if, just when I'm at home in Newcastle, I try to just play anything. Cause I literally do love playing, but occasionally I'd get a gig where I'm like, you know, well, there was one a couple of years ago where it was, uh, I don't know how, what I was quite, it was meant to be two sets, you know, like a two hour gig, yeah, yeah, yeah. which, which quickly backing a singer who yeah. didn't play an instrument, which quickly turned into a five hour gig where she didn't know any of her songs anyway. And I didn't <laughs> know them. And then there was like a fight in the place and everyone was doing ice. or I, It was just this nightmare of a thing. And by the end of it, I could not hold a guitar string down. I remember the last song, like it was like sort of all jazz stuff, but I was had to have my index finger over the top of the fretboard to just play the bass line. And so that was pulling with my whole arm to get the pressure down because my fingers just wouldn't work anymore. And I was like, I'm done. Like my hands just cooked it. So the next day I got up, made my cup of tea, picked up a guitar and then just played something I wanted to. And it just, everything just freed up. It was like all this stress in my body had just come out through my hands. So that is just, uh, that's, that is that's just your subconscious there stopping you from doing it, really, isn't it? That's the, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. So without that sort of emotional intent and connection, it just doesn't happen. So yeah, the song I wrote the next day is the last song on the new album. It's called Overuse. So that's what I got up the next morning and wrote. So that was cool. And it's got some messed up chords in it as well, like really weird voicings that, you know, actually are difficult to play, but... Yeah, that's what sort of came out that next morning. So that was cool. And do you mind if during this podcast we could drop in little Of course, man. Yeah. That would be yeah. great. I'll send you a link. Yeah. yeah that would be awesome. Um, and what about like new, because again, talking with other musicians who have been doing, you know, either there just seems to have been a lot of, you know, a lot of writing, a lot of streaming, but also. Yeah. Like new skills, like again, referring to Mike, he was saying he's had to learn loads of video editing and all kinds of things that he necessarily wasn't doing before. Have you had a similar? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, video is something I never wanted to know about. My wife actually works in film, Holly, and um, she has always been incredible at that. So if I've really needed something done, I've sort of turned to her. <laughs> um, but She's also used to working with big budgets and serious sort of things. So, uh, I realized I had to sort of get my hand around it pretty quick. Um, you know, my favorite thing, this was a very proud achievement early on in COVID was, uh, sort of the EPK trailer for my album. Yeah. Um, I, so it's, I don't know. I don't know how long that video is. It might be like six or seven minutes actually. And it's sort of the story of the whole album. And so it's using all video and photos I took throughout the year of traveling and touring and doing all that and me narrating it. But I did this entire thing on my iPhone. So I edited it, loaded all the footage into my iPhone and did it all in iMovie on my iPhone. And so I was, I was pretty stoked with that effort. Oh mate, that will will do. And when we finish this blog, we'll put it into like a podcast. Uh, into, yeah, we finish the podcast, we'll put it into a blog, and we'll put that put it on the page. Yeah, we'll put yeah. it on the page. And we'll we'll bet it in because that's it's. Great. So that was that was sort of I did the audio on my computer and then loaded loaded it back to the video, but in iMovie on the phone. So that was that was pretty cool to actually manage to do this whole giant thing on my phone. Uh, and I've since sort of upgraded to finally using a computer to do this stuff. But Maybe. I, you were yeah. all that, 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 that year you were, when you first went over. Yeah. You were there for six, 
Was it we were there. Well, I was there for the year. I came back to Australia twice, but it was just, yeah, it was just chaos. Like we, yeah, from the, it was just trying to really establish the US properly after years of touring there, just sort of going, well, I'm here and I'm just doing everything I possibly can. And like that year, it was nuts. Like we didn't even get a place to live in the end. So it was just we were like staying on friends, like friends places for like two weeks if I were out of town and then somewhere else for three weeks. We did get one sublet for four weeks and then, you know, we'd be on the road for five weeks and it was just like, yeah, Amazing. it was just nuts. Yeah. It was, a, it was an incredible life adventure and that was the whole idea of it as well. It wasn't, you know, as, as much as it was a career thing, it was like, well, let's just go and do this while we can and do crazy things. And, um, and that, yeah, that's sort of the joy of like touring on a budget as well. I think like for me, uh, you know, if I, most of the time I'm staying with friends or people that have organized concerts or wherever on lounges, spare bedrooms, um, rather than, cause if I had to book a hotel, that would basically write off my whole life. The hotel cost is the worst thing yeah. for traveling ever. But in doing that, you get, you just get deep into all these people and just amazing stories and just adventures and little things and little places they take you to. And that just becomes, yeah, just part of that adventure. And it's, it is amazing. And I've just made so many great friends that way. And once again, a lot of them are actually luthiers just cause I don't know, I get what they do. I really appreciate it. I understand a lot about it and how it works. And so, yeah, it's just, we just end up in, I end up in those worlds of just hanging out with crazy luthiers as well. And yeah, playing I, guitars all the time. Yeah. And what an adventure that must be. My gosh. Mm. I, you, we, I just can't wait to eventually see you get to Nashville because I, I, I want to get you out. Eventually, when you are in America, we've yeah. got to yeah. to Nashville and you've got to do some gigs with us. Yeah, yeah. Nashville is an interesting place, I think, to play. I, I probably had my best show there. Well, yeah, two years ago now, I guess. Um, but it was it was finally you know a great venue. I think I played um, where was it City Winery. And yeah. it was just, it was just a really fun night and had great people turn out, but. Yeah, but it, it, it's it, the beautiful thing about Nashville is it's so, when you, when you do know people within the city, I would say mm. one of the, one of the most welcoming, like they've got, they're just that Southern hospitality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you, and they open the doors. Then yeah. So when you, well, listen, when, when you are, yeah. when we're back out traveling, we've got to get you, we've got to get you there. I know that, yeah. I know that Kim would love to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got to check it out, man. Yeah. Um, and so what, what's the next sort of steps then? What's the next plans for you? Uh, well, you know, it's not really a time to make plans now. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I, I, basically I'm just trying to do some, a little bit of touring in Australia, which I've neglected for a long time. Um, so I'm doing a few shows actually this week, uh, just around a bit and playing Sydney finally again, which I haven't done for a while. Um, and trying to do a little bit of that as it goes, it, you know, whilst Australia is pretty well open right now, things still, there's actually just been a big lockdown today <laughs> again, not for many cases like we're talking, but you know, that impacts touring. You try and book something it's shut down again. So just living a little bit in limbo. Um, currently also, you know, the current prediction is Australia will actually be closed for travel still until next year. So I'm not, so we're, you know, I, the idea is that our border will still be shut. Um, so I'm not really planning on anything for a while yet. And so just, yeah, really focusing on recording and creating at the moment. So I've got definitely a few albums worth of material, new material already, which is super exciting. Um, and I think I'll coordinate a little bit of it with friends overseas playing on it. I'd love to do a proper live trio album again, just uh, probably with guys I've played in Australia with for a long time and try to 
um, capture something a little bit more extended improvisationally and definitely want to get back into solo guitar stuff, which I haven't recorded for a long time. Um, probably cause I'm just so indecisive about what guitar I'm going to play on the recording, whether it's going to be an acoustic or an electric or an archtop or a bit of both. And yeah, so that, that's probably half the issue. Oh, wow. Man, I, I just, mm. um, if there's anything, we're going to put in all of links into blogs and we're going to share the album, um, yeah. unify again. And, mm. um, we just we I would just love if we could somehow do some streaming or gig with you, which I'm sure yeah. we can do. we've got we, enough. Well, we can skills. we can do that. I have skills now. I have I have <laughs> mad mad video skills. Well, we can definitely <laughs> do that. Man. We can definitely do that. We've got we got some you know. There's lots of very cool things you know happening. Um, yeah. That's at the moment. So you know, um, it would be great to get like something in something in the pipeline with you that we can. Yeah, we can help. To yeah, get out I'm I'm always happy to play, man. I love it. So um, and you know, I even love doing it in front of a camera now. I've got used to it. Hey, well, I'm sorry. I can perform with. Go on. Oh, nothing. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm sorry it's taken us so long to finally get on Dude, it. Dude, uh, it's so fine, man. Like I. I, yeah, when I see you traveling back and forth across the thing, because the idea of international travel to me is just non-existent now. And I'm just like, it's the weirdest thing. It was, it was, yeah. it was to be fair, it was because much like you, I hadn't been to the States for about a year. Well, it was. Over yeah. yeah. Um, and it was pretty difficult to, to get over there. I had to go through quite a few hoops with embassy. Yeah. And stuff, but they were amazing. Um, mm. And but the weird thing was coming out of like a out of your lockdown bubble and then going to the airport. I mean, I'll show you some photos of the airport. It was like, honestly, it was like something out of a zombie movie. Like Heathrow Terminal Five was scary. It was, yeah, it was not a single. There was one. I've got a great photo of one guy sat in this entire with like like the three four hundred seats where there's cafes and restaurants and stuff. And there's one guy sat in the middle of it all. Crazy. Um, they were, they were, mm. I, think, I think there were 10 people on our flight. Yeah. They're out. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's amazing, man. It's just like I, because, uh, so my sister-in-law uh, lives in Nashville as well, and they got, they managed to get back last year. Um, so they were there till September, I think they got back. And it was just like, for them, it was just nuts to actually be able to get a flight and yeah. work out how to do it. And then, but yeah, then everywhere else, like, uh, the drummer from the defining of success album, he's in London and okay. he's tried to get home and he had like 10 flights canceled and then just gave up. Well, that was one thing. I, the, the only thing, it was weird coming off the, I had to go by Dallas and when he got to Dallas, to suddenly see lots of people for the mm. first time ever. It was, you know, weirdly enough, it was a little bit scary. You were like, oh, wow. Okay. No, I get it, man. Then you're like, oh. I actually, what I, what I can't imagine is actually living in lockdown for that long because we're like, you guys have just been oh, man. Yeah. in and out, in and out. And, you know, for me, really, it was like June. It was over last year. And then there was a little scare again. So just because... I was being careful. I wasn't out and about, but then, you know, most people in Australia, if you've got a normal job, you, you wouldn't even know that anything's happened. Like your life just didn't change really. Even like, because there was just in my city, there was just sort of nothing. I, I think there might've been like 20 cases wow. ever Amazing. or something. So yeah, just depending on where you were, you could just be null and void, but yeah. Amazing. Get it, mm. yeah, it was, um, but it's so grateful that we were able, I was able to get out of this. It was just amazing to see everybody. And yeah. Be with everybody and hanging out and yeah. Super. Well, hopefully, and, pardon? And just, yeah, get things sorted there as well. Yeah. And, and hopefully we're coming, we all hope and pray that we're coming out of the, the, the back of this in some normality. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Um, Adam Miller. 
it is mm. great to see you and to hear you and to just listen to everything that you've been going through and the albums and the inspiration and it's just amazing yeah you are, Pleasure, you, are ben. you are an inspiration you know that you are ben you are no no i'm not you are your hair is an inspiration ben <laughs> lockdown hair mate lockdown hair. <laughs> go on give us a little something just a little something before we go oh, a little light on, on that what do you, beautiful what do you want to hear all right. I want you to pick cool, man. something from the new album. Just yeah, let's do totally it. Okay. A little clip, little 15, 20 second number. Let's do a little. Ooh. Let's do a little of Adam Levy. So. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> wow, you're just ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> Mate, take care. So happy we did Thanks, it. man. Yeah, man, have a great day. All right, see you, brother. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Guitar. For more information on the world's finest guitars, please visit our website at thenorthamericanguitar.com.